1: Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? Fell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. Darnold escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires end zone. It's caught. Incredible
0: play by Darnold. He'll hit immediately he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you.
2: From the TOJ Digital Studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet1. And we're gonna recap the Jets destruction at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers. Or as Kevin Burkhart on Fox said as the local feed on Fox was going from the Jets and the 49ers to the Falcons and the Cowboys. We're gonna discuss the quote Thrashing of the Jets at the hands. Of the San Francisco 49ers 31-13 the final score But it wasn't even that close in reality With the great beat reporter From NorthJersey.com Covering the Jets, Mr. Andy Vasquez Andy, you were there There were no fans, I feel like that was the best thing To happen to the Jets all day
3: Yeah, I mean it's a win-win The Jets didn't have to get booed off the field In the in the first half Because that's probably what would have happened And uh, fans didn't have to pay any money To watch that because it was not pretty. It was, it was really, I, I don't know. It was, it was tough to watch. I mean, it was, was that even football at that point? I, <laughs> I, I hate it when sports writers complain about watching, you know, something bad. Like that's, it's our job to watch, you know, and cover the team we cover. But that, that was, I mean, that was hard to watch.
2: It got hard to watch right away because on the first play from scrimmage, Raheem Mostert, who I said on this show and on several 49ers podcasts throughout the week, everybody needed to watch out for him because he had a 79-yard touchdown reception last week against Arizona where he looked like a blur. Guess what? Same thing happened today except instead of 79 yards, it was an 80-yard touchdown run on a pitch. Right away, it was 7-0. The Jets never recovered. Going into this, there was no George Kittle, who's the best offensive weapon the San Francisco 49ers have. There was no Debo Samuel, who's arguably their best receiver. He's on injured reserve. There was no D Ford, who is one of their best edge rushers. There was no Richard Sherman, who was their best cornerback. And as the game unfolded, Nick Bosa, who's arguably their best player, went out early in the first quarter. Solomon Thomas, one of their better defensive linemen, a top five pick from a couple of years ago, he went out very quickly. Raheem Mostert, who we said had an 80-yard touchdown run, by the end of the half, he was gone. Jimmy Garoppolo, starting quarterback, by the end of the half, he was gone. And by the way, he was hobbling the entire game. So the 49ers weren't even at half strength, they were at like a quarter strength, and yet the Jets, and don't get me wrong, they had their own injuries, couldn't do anything against the San Francisco 49ers. It really makes you wonder how this would have gone if the 49ers had been even close to healthy.
3: Oh, yeah, you you don't. I don't even want to think about that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, it could have been, I mean, it could have been a lot worse last week in Buffalo. And, yeah, if the 49ers were healthy, I mean, who knows what the score would have been. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I guess, Watching the 49ers play today, it it is possible for some teams to overcome injuries. The Jets don't seem to be one of those teams. And, uh, you know, I don't know where else to put the blame on that but the coaching staff. You know, it's just not excusable to come out and and look like that against a team that just has not only adversity coming into the game in the form of all the injuries and and traveling across the country and then having a weird travel situation where they're going to go to West Virginia for the week after this before they play the Giants at MetLife again next week um so there is all every reason that that the 49ers shouldn't have been ready to play or or looked they could have been feeling sorry for themselves not just before the game but during the game and yet they come out and and deliver you know gut punch to the Jets on the on the first play of the game and and basically never let up And, and there was never really a point in this game even even more so than last week where you saw a path the Jets getting back into it, even when they might've pulled within, you know, two touchdowns in the, in the second half, it just never felt realistic. So it, it's, it's just bad. I mean, there's, it's, there's not a lot of positives you can take from something like this. Um, It, it was, it was just bad on every level and, and, you know, they better turn it around quick and, and it's not going to be easy because the Colts look pretty good against the Vikings today. So. Um, you know, they're going to get exposed again if they don't do something different in Indianapolis next week.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
2: Andy, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. But first, I want to start with the coaching and specifically Adam Gase, since you touched on this a little bit. I don't really understand what the game plan was supposed to be. Now, Brashad Perriman went out early in the game, but even when he was in the game, the game plan seemed to be configured as if Luke Falk was a quarterback, and I just couldn't figure it out because I understand the dinking and dunking, and at first it was working, but he wasn't letting Sam Darnold actually do anything. Frank Gore, by the beginning of the second half, had 17 carries, and I'm trying to figure out what it is Adam Gase thought he was doing I know that he has limitations on the offensive side of the ball but at that rate you're basically playing not to lose and you know what they say about coaches that play not to lose they're playing not to win and that's exactly what he was doing you have to at least try and this felt like he was more or less hoping that his defense would keep him in the game and that his offense wouldn't ruin things for him. You can't coach that way in the NFL, especially when you're playing against a team that has all these injuries on defense that you could exploit.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, this wasn't, there were, there were some egregious decisions, and this wasn't the, the worst one, but I think it kind of speaks to exactly what you're talking about. In, in the first quarter, I think it was their second drive, they, they're moving the ball well, they, they get down into deep into San Francisco territory. I think, I can't remember what happened. There's probably a penalty. They get backed up. They've got third and 18. I think it was like from the 46. And, you know, that's, I'm sorry, from the 26. That's a, that's, that's well within Sam Pickens field goal range. And instead of, of trying something to, to either get the first down or, or you know maybe taking a shot at the end zone, they run it up the middle to, to basically center the ball for Thicken. And and I just think that sent like a bad message to, to everyone, um, you know, that they were going to be conservative. They weren't going to trust their offense, that the case wasn't going to trust his offense to, you know, take risks and make the plays. And, and, you know, if that's how he feels about Sam Darnold at, at this point in his career, that's not only an indictment on, on Sam Darnold, but it's an indictment on him because he's the coach who was supposed to bring Sam Darnold along and, and, and make him the kind of player who can take advantage of situations like this against a team that, that wasn't anywhere near 100%. So, I mean, I think that play is, is going to be overlooked, but it was something that stuck out to me in, early in the game, and, and I don't think, you know, the Jets, the Jets got that field goal there, and, then, and I don't, you know, they never really got anything going offensively. I mean, obviously, the, the, the sequence that jumps out is in the second quarter. They, they drive down the field again. They, they have first and 10, I think, from the 29. And then they they run the ball four times in a row. Uh, the first two were, were Frank Gore, and they've got third and one on the 20. And then it's like it, – it's clearly four down territory. They, I think they were down 14-3, and, and it's clearly four down territory. And, and if you're going to go for it on fourth, why, why are you – you know, running the ball on third, but that's what they did. They they had, they handed off to Gore a third time. He got stuffed. And then on fourth down, um they went with, with Josh Adams, the, the backup running back and, and tried to run him up the middle and got stuffed again. And that's, you know, that was probably their best chance to get back in the game. And, and that, that's not like, you got to do better than that there. There's gotta be something you can come up with that, that, is better than running the ball four times in a row and, and handing the ball to your back off back up running back on fourth and one, you know, and and scored in, in the red zone. So, yeah, it was there. There's a lot of stuff that it just didn't make sense. And and I agree. Um, you know, it seems like there's a there's a governor on on Sam Donald, and and he's he doesn't look anything like the quarterback he did in his rookie year when he was kind of freewheeling and and he made mistakes, but it's like he still makes those mistakes, but now he none of the positive plays that comes with it like happen because he's kind of held back by, by whatever this offense is trying to do. So it's, it's concerning. It's, it's not uh, fun to watch and it's obviously not working. So um, it's, there's a lot of problems and, the Jets, you know, have to figure it out and, you know, fast or like like Jordan Jenkins was saying after the game, uh, they're going to keep getting embarrassed.
2: Andy, with Darl, the frustrating thing is at the very end of the game. Now, granted, it was in mop up duty, but at the end, Darl was able to escape a blitz and almost got taken down by two guys, found his way out of it. And fired across his body on the run downfield for a touchdown to Braxton Berrios. Fantastic play. The problem is, that was really the only wow play that we saw from him the entire game. The rest of it, as we said, was so conservative and so buttoned down that you don't really know what to make of it. You can't really put anything on Donald here the way that we did last week, because last week he legitimately played poorly. This week he was fine within what he was asked to do, but he wasn't asked to do anything. So what actual conclusion could you really draw about Donald after this game, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I didn't even write very much about him because it was just like that stuff in, in mop-up time is meaningless. I mean, it really is. You, it makes everything look a little less, worse than it was, but it was bad. I mean, it, it just it wasn't a close game. It wasn't competitive. It wasn't competitive. Basically. Uh, after the, the Niners, you know, marched down the field late in the second half second quarter and, uh, and got that touchdown to make it 21 to three. So um, that, that's irrelevant. And look, he made, I thought he made a couple of nice throws. I, it's hard for me to remember exactly early, until I go back over the, the film, but early in the game, I thought, you know, he wasn't asked to throw the ball along, but he was making the right decisions. He was making some good throws. Um, obviously the, the 49ers defense adjusted and, and took away what the Jets were doing in the run game. And then, uh, you know, th- those opportunities really weren't there anymore. But if you're going to take like a positive, like this is a very small positive, like he didn't look like trash like he did last week. So <laughs> congratulations. I'm sure Jets fans feel great about that. Um, but that, that I mean, I don't know how to evaluate what I saw from Donald because it just he, like you said he didn't he didn't get to do much and and they they didn't put the ball in his hands in the key situations in the game and and that's it, I, I will say this, like a good quarterback needs to make a play that gets his team. Like into a game when they need it. He he needs to be able to provide a spark, and, and there are probably some chances for him to do that today, but it just never happened. And it's probably nitpicking, but because of the way the game plan was set up, like I I would like to see that from from Darnold, but I think it's partially on Gase, too for not having, you know, a, a game plan that that put his quarterback, who is talented enough to do that, because we've seen it before, in a position to do that.
2: Andy, let's talk about something positive because there's not a lot positive to say about this game. But George Fant, who I never wanted the Jets to sign, who's playing right tackle, played pretty well again today. He played well last week, so he's proving me wrong and many others one game at a time. It's only been two games, but I like what I've seen. And Makai Becton, listen, he did really well against Nick Bosa early on before Bosa came out held up very well the entire game. He's somebody that we expected to struggle in pass protection early in the season at least because he didn't run a lot of true pass protection sets at Louisville, but he has exceeded all expectations early. Now, it's a very young part of the season here. We've got 14 games left to go, but still seeing him play this well this early is a very positive sign, and if we're looking for silver linings, that's right at the top of the list.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think that that is that should be exciting for Jets fans and I think you know, you can feel kind of good going into a stretch of the schedule where the defense is I mean, I know San Francisco wasn't its usual today, but it, it is telling that he was able to handle Bosa when he had the chance even though those chances were very limited and, and for the most part he held his own last week and played really well too and and you have to think it's going to be easier for him going forward now. Um, and he should have some confidence in the way he's played. So yeah, that's that's exciting for the Jets for sure. Um, that that is a good thing, and and yeah, I think you know it kind of you know makes sense that the pick that Joe Douglas made there, like it was the right pick. If there was any doubt about that, if you thought they should have maybe gone and gotten a wide receiver or something, um, this guy is showing the potential to be you know a big time big time established guy in the offensive line for the next decade plus. Um, I mean, it's two games, so let's not get carried away, but it's a very good start and and there's reason to believe he'll keep it up. So yeah, that's, that is something, one of the few things that Jets fans should be excited about. And, And overall the offensive line has been better. I mean, again, not a high bar, but if, you know, the offense was opened up a little bit more, I think you'd see Darnold look more like he did at the end of his rookie year where he was kind of freewheeling and, and and making plays happen. that We haven't seen that yet, but I think that's more about the playbook than it is about uh, the offensive line right now.
2: While we're on the subject of positive things, let's talk about Quinn and Williams, his breakout game to date, his best game as a pro, two sacks, two tackles for a loss, a forced fumble, 10 tackles overall. He was dominant today against a very strong 49ers offensive line, We've been waiting to see a game like this from him. We finally got it, and against a good team. And it wasn't against a banged-up version of this line either. This was the intact San Francisco 49ers offensive line. So very good job here by Quinnen Williams. We have to keep our fingers crossed and hope that he keeps this up. But on the defensive side of the ball, he was clearly the shining star today.
3: Yeah, last week it was Marcus May, not so much this week. Um, But Quinnen did a nice job. Uh, he had a, he had one penalty, which definitely you know wasn't great. He seems to you know have one of those penalties every game now, or he has the first two games of the season. But I'm um, nitpicking. He he was the kind of player that they thought they were getting when they drafted him number three overall last year. Like um, I still think. You know, overall the Jets pass rush is has been disappointing, and it, it was especially in the first half when you know Garoppolo was clearly, as you said earlier, hobbled, and they couldn't put any pressure on him, um, and he just picked apart the Jets defense when they weren't getting you know picked apart by the running game. So that that was overall the pass rush has got to be better than what it was today. But but Quinn looked good, um, and. What I think is most important is that he builds on it next week because, like you said, this was the best performance of his career. But before we can buy in, I think we we need to see more of it.
2: One thing we don't need to see more of, Andy, is what the rest of this defense did today. Henry Anderson, a 15-yard roughing the passer penalty, absolutely inexcusable. He did this last year with Josh Allen, although that one was way worse. And that penalty probably cost them – the game last year in week number one. This one certainly did not cost them the game, but there is no reason to be hitting a quarterback that late the way that he did. He unfortunately continues to make boneheaded decisions like that. And then you look at the rest of the defense. Bless Austin and Marcus May, who were both really good last week. May was missing tackles today. Bless Austin was missing tackles and was a mess in coverage. Kendrick Bourne was beating him up all day. You take a look at the other side. Quincy Wilson was okay. Then he ends up getting hurt, and he's out of the game. The linebackers couldn't do anything. Alec Ogletree, who they started in this game over Avery Williamson. I don't know what shape Avery Williamson's knee is in, but it has got to be in dire straits if Alec Ogletree is starting over him because Alec Ogletree is beyond slow for an NFL player. There's no other way to say it. (laughs) A complete mess all the way around, plus penalties. They had so many penalties that were just killing them. Every time it looked like they might be able to get off the field, something would happen, including the Henry Anderson penalty. So Greg Williams, second week in a row, his defense looks very sloppy and undisciplined. I know we all loved him last year, but he's not off to a great start this year, and neither is his unit.
3: No, it's bad. I mean, I guess what I'll say is... uh you look back at the beginning of last year and, and after week two, I think they played the Browns week two. And, and that was the Odell who game where they had their little spat in the media before the game. And then, you know, Greg Williams said, you know, Odell, who, who, who are we talking about? And then he torched them for, you know, a, a bunch of yards and such. I can't remember if that was Thursday night or Sun or Monday night. It might've been Monday night, but either way it was, it was, you know, the defense was a mess back then too. So maybe they're they'll get it together and surprise people the way they did last year but i think part of it you're seeing is like yeah jamal adams was pretty good and 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 maybe covered up a lot of these mistakes that you know we didn't see last year because he made a big play to to stop it and then but yeah the the, the lack of discipline is just hard to excuse i i know that anderson played didn't end up being the difference between winning and losing but it did effectively end the game for the Jets. Um, you know, if they had gotten that stop, like they should have gotten, I mean, cause that was so blatantly late and unnecessary and stupid. And it's even worse when he's like shrugging at the ref, like what, who me, like, come on. Like everybody saw what happened. It was, it was just not a smart football play. Um, but if the Jets get that stop there, I think there was still some time left on the clock. And they forced the Niners to kick a field goal. And then it's, you know, 17 to three. Maybe they can come down the field because you know, gay seems to open up the playbook a little bit more in the two two minute drill. Maybe they come down the field and get a touchdown, and, and it's it's a 17-10 game going into halftime. And and we're looking at things a little differently. I still don't think they would have won the game, but um, I mean, that's a huge play that that changes everything and, and just reinforces the the horrible play that they've had. And that's that's you know tough and you'd like to see like I know he got pulled off the field right after it but it's almost like why why is he even going back into the game after making a mistake like that Um, it's just it's not like he's that valuable to the defense it's not like he is you know consistently getting to the quarterback or doing anything that that the Jets are paying him you know 10 million dollars a year to do or or somewhere in that neighborhood so that's frustrating to watch and then Yeah, just overall on defense, it it was these mistakes that we didn't see last year. The the over-pursuit, the guys not staying in their gaps. I mean, that's what Jordan Jenkins said after the game. He's almost pleading for his teammates to, like, just do your job and and don't do more than it because – and this is what happens when teams play as poorly as they did last week. Like, guys start pressing and and want to do too much because – they, they want this to stop and it has the opposite effect. Like if if you're not playing within the scheme, you're going to open things up for mistakes. And, and, and when you're playing with a guy like old who was obviously slow as we saw in the very first play of the game, I think he was in position, you know, to, to make that play and just got, you know, burned. So um, it's just a bad combination. And, and this defense that, that took so much pride in stopping the run last year, just had no answer. I mean, that 80 run, 80 yard run was bad, but then the, the worst run was on, on third and 31. Seriously, third and 31. McKinnon from from his own 11 yard line takes a 55 yards on, on third and 31, and now all of a sudden the Jets are in a situation. We're in a situation where they could flip the field and, and you know, maybe be in a good position for the offense. And now the Niners are in. in field goal range. And that's just, I mean, the the 49ers were waving the the white flag there. They're, they're just like, we're going to punt. And then the Jets are like, no, you're not, you're going to be a field goal range. (laughs) So it's just, it's just brutal stuff. I mean, I think they may have made more mistakes in this game than they made in the entire like final 10 games of last season in terms of giving up big plays. And you you can't win like that. And and, you know, if they don't fix it, it's only going to get worse. And, You know, it's going to start to wear on guys because nobody likes losing like this and and nobody likes being embarrassed like this. And, you know, they see this stuff and they know what other teams and and people around the NFL think about them and and fans and people in the football world in general. It's not fun to be a punchline. Uh, But that's what the Jets have been through the first two weeks. And somehow it was worse against the 49ers than it was against the Bills.
2: Pierre Desir had an interception after he came in the game following the departure of Quincy Wilson, who had gotten hurt. And the interception reminded me a little bit of Tremaine Johnson's interception in the Seeing Ghost game last year against the Patriots. When Leonard Williams forced Tom Brady to throw the ball literally right into Tremaine Johnson's chest, this one was a tip pass that went right into Pierre Desir's chest. I feel like that's the only way he was going to make a positive play. I think the best way to sum this game up, Andy, is when you're looking at a day when Nick Mullins outplays Sam Darnold and... The defense's worst play of the game is not giving up an 80-yard touchdown run. That's when you know things have gone horribly, horribly wrong in every single way. But on the bright side, we should point out that Sam Thicken continues to have a perfect season. He is 100% both PATs and field goals so far this year.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you can't blame Sam Thicken for this mess. Or Braden Mann, who's, you know... Obviously punting the ball well and and holding the ball well. So (laughs) I I mean, I don't know, man. It's it's not good. It's not good. Um, And there's a lot of reasons it's not good. And it's hard to remember them all because there's there's so many things I feel like I'm missing because when there's this much you know bad football, I mean, I mean they came out and got outscored by a combined forty six or forty two to six in the first half of these games. I mean, that's if you want to. Take one stat from all of this. That's it. That that tells you everything you need to know about, you know, how prepared the Jets are to play, how the game plan is working. You know, in the first half, when, when, you know, when the coaches rely on their game plan the most, before – this isn't even – you know, we're not even talking about adjustments here. We're talking about what you're coming into the game with. That's what the Jets have come into the game with, 42 to 6. And that is – I don't know how to defend it. I don't even know how to start defending it. It's not good. It's, it's not, I mean, there, there, you started with, you know, the adjective that Burkhart used. I mean, there's so many adjectives that it's almost, you know, hard to, to grasp which one to use. So it's a lot of tough choices for writers uh, writing about these these games and trying to figure out how best to describe it.
2: I hate to pour a little gasoline on the fire here, Andy, but there were more injuries today. Rashad Perriman reaggravated an injury, and then Conor McGovern, the starting center, came out late in the game. Do we know anything about those injuries yet?
3: So I think Perriman's injury, it's hard like, with him to keep up because he's had a lot of them. I think if this was an ankle injury, I think this is new. So mm. uh, it, it probably isn't encouraging that, you know, they, they, he came off the field and he seemed to be walking. Okay. They took him into the tent, but then he went from, you know, questionable return to, to out, out right after halftime. That's not encouraging. Um, and then with, with McGovern, a hamstring injury um, I don't know how an offensive lineman gets a hamstring injury, but it's this is what's happening to the jets right now. So it happened. Um, Adam Gase didn't give us any specifics. He said they'll be evaluated further and that he'd have some sort of update tomorrow. Um, so that's what we've got with, with those injuries. And I think Arthur Mallette also left with a groin injury. Um, and there was one more that I cannot remember, but it wasn't to a, uh, a guy who is, a, is like a major contributor. Uh, Chris Hogan also hurt his ribs at, at some point i think it was on that the one of the few times donald threw downfield he found hogan for a leaping grab early in that that uh third quarter i think he hurt his ribs there but he came back into the game and finished out and, and okay doing it so probably be sore tomorrow but probably not a long term concern
2: last order business andy let's talk about the post game when you got to talk to the coach and some of the players, Adam GaSe once again made me roll my eyes a couple of times. Jordan Jenkins, as you said, had some fiery things to say. Quinnen Williams decided to do the Marshawn Lynch routine, which kind of surprised me. Take us through all of the post game shenanigans. I'm sure there were a lot of frustrated players today.
3: Yeah, we'll start with whatever that was. Quinnen was doing. I, I don't know. I don't understand what that was about, but obviously it was a frustrating day for the defense and you know he played well we'll give him the benefit of the doubt Um, it's not you know I I don't see the point of he answered every question basically with um, I have to check the film so we're like is it frustrating to give up an 80 yard touchdown run on on the first play of the game and he's like I'm gonna have to check the film to see how I feel about that so I don't I don't don't know what that means Um, yeah, Jordan Jenkins was was kind of showed Quinn in how you you should handle these situations. He you know he was asked a good pointed question about what Christopher Johnson said earlier in the week, which was that um, you know he wanted to he wasn't going to judge the Jets on a playoff mandate, but he he wanted to see progress and you know what when you see it and then. Uh, obviously where's the progress was the question. And Jenkins was like, I'm going to be blunt. Like there isn't progress. Like, and if we keep doing this, we're going to keep getting embarrassed. And, and that's you know, true and, and honest. And it, it, he knows that they have to be better. And, and I mean, I think anyone knows that, but um, you know, he seems to have a sense of urgency. Uh, a couple other interesting things. Sam Donald uh, was pretty tight lipped about that fourth and one play was asked about if he's you know has the freedom to switch out on that play to a quarterback sneak if he wants to and he basically said no and did not elaborate um you know I don't know on some of these plays I think Sam is gonna default take the blame even if it's not on him no matter what I mean like some of the bad the, the play calls early in the Buffalo game that looked like bad play calls upon further review were probably things that, that Donald checked down to um, or, or changed at the line of scrimmage. So, but I I think he's going to take the blame in basically every situation, even if it wasn't his fault. So it's kind of hard to read too much into that. And then Adam Gase's explanation for why he did the unexplainable, which is kick a field goal down 24 to three late in the third quarter to make a three possession game a three possession game. Um, he just said that he there aren't a lot of good plays against that defense uh, in that situation. He basically said they used up their play on third down and it, and it didn't work. And then, um, you know, they, they decided to kick the field goal because they wanted to get some positive momentum, which obviously did not work. Uh, it did not changed the fortunes for the offense they did not come out and you know drive down the field three times to make it a game in the fourth quarter instead the offense finally got going in garbage time once the the good 49er players that were remaining on defense were out of the game so um again i do not i will not i could live to be like you know a couple thousand years old and i don't think i'll understand why you would kick a field goal there because it just doesn't help your team win the only thing that it does is make it Look a little less bad On the scoreboard And if that's what you're playing for Then you know what are we all doing So uh, it was a rough day To say the least
2: Andy I do hope that you live to be A few thousand years old Because then you will get to cover the Masters A few times at least And maybe somebody will even let you wear their gold jacket And it will help make up for What happened today That you had to sit through This horrendous football game Andy Vasquez covering cool. the Jets for NorthJersey.com, Thanks for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. Everybody should go check out Andy's right up here because he did use Christopher Johnson's own words against him. And I'm going to let you talk about that, Andy. I thought your write-up was excellent. All your work is great. You can see it at NorthJersey.com. You can get a lot of it for free, but if you want unlimited access to everything over there, it's only 99 cents a month, which is nothing, and you get unlimited access not only to Andy's work but all the great local journalism that's going on over at NorthJersey.com. So highly recommend that you check it out, and especially Andy's work, where you will find that summary that I was just talking about and a whole lot more. Right, Andy?
3: Yeah, Scott, and, and real quick, just before, I appreciate the plug, and, and I would encourage you to check out my work. Subscribe, please. It, it helps us out immensely and helps me out, uh, you know, look good with my bosses. And, um, you know, we have a lot of other, you know, you know, nobody covers, if you live in Bergen County, nobody covers the area like we do. So would appreciate any any listening you do. Uh, real quick, Scott, am I, am I being too negative? I I may be a little influenced by – the, uh, it's not usually that you're the more positive guy Than me in these things So um, I may be influenced by a stat That I looked up the other day Which is where I figured out I started covering the Jets in 2016 So this is my fifth season And they have only been above 500 at kickoff In two games That I've covered So maybe I'm just you know Beaten down by the losing But but was it as bad as what I thought today
2: I think it was worse actually <laughs>
3: Yeah Okay, I just wanted to make sure I hadn't lost my perspective. <laughs> but yeah, we got a ton of a ton of good work over at NorthJersey.com, and, and I'll be writing uh, – I wrote about what Jordan Jenkins had to say in depth and, and why the defense had some problems against the run game of San Francisco, aside from the obvious reasons, and um, a full recap of, of kind of why, uh, you know, as an owner, when you say things about, you know, Adam Gase's brilliant offensive mind and then he can't score a touchdown against a depleted defense – it, it's not great. So uh, a lot of stuff there and more coming tomorrow with a with breakdown of, of kind of some of these key plays and, and what went wrong and some of the good things that we saw too and, and looking deeper in the Mekhi Beckton and Quentin Williams and all that.
2: Before we wrap up, the Jets are 0-2, and so Jets fans are in the familiar position of looking towards the draft, which I really wish we didn't have to do this early in the season all the time. But, unfortunately, it seems like that is the reality once again this year. So, went out and got one of the best out there to come on and tell us who helped and hurt themselves in college football this past weekend, Mr. Charlie Campbell. Of walterfootball.com, and Charlie comes to us courtesy of our friends over at MyBookie. If you go over to MyBookie now and you use the promo code OVERTIME, you can get yourself up to $1,000 in free betting when you sign up, and you can double your first deposit. You can bet on pretty much anything, whether it's the games themselves. Futures, by the way, quick tip for you. Do not bet on the Jets to win the Super Bowl or props during the games. There's some really fun ones over-unders. You can even bet on stuff like who's going to win the opening coin toss. It's all there for you at my bookie. Just use the promo code overtime. Get up to $1,000 in free play and you can double your first deposit. Once again, use the promo code overtime over at my bookie. All right, Charlie, the floor is yours. Welcome to the show, my man.
4: Thanks, Scott. So this week in college football, we had some interesting prospects help themselves and hurt themselves uh, here in Week 3 action. In terms of going up, you got to look at Paris Ford, the safety from Pittsburgh. He had his second interception of the season with a really good game against Syracuse. From the beginning of the game, Ford was active around the ball, making some punishing hits on receivers, helping out in the ground game, uh, and then just making an extra. Excellent play reading out a screen for his second interception of the season. Ford really has picked up where he left off last year, where he had about 100 tackles and made a lot of plays on the ball. He's dangerous in coverage in the middle of the field as a solid run defender. And the only thing that really keeps him as being maybe a late one second round pick is he's not the biggest of safeties. He's not undersized. He's just he'd like to see him be a little thicker for the NFL to tackle pro backs and receivers. So with that in mind, he could be a guy that could be in contention for one of the Jets picks uh, late in the first round, the one from Seattle potentially, or early in the second round. uh, Give them a replacement for Jamal Adams and help them in coverage on tight ends like uh, given what we saw Jordan Reed just do to them. So uh, Ford's a prospect on the rise that I would give a stock up here in the early going of this college football season. Now, conversely, stock down from their opening game of the year would be Chuba Hubbard, the running back from Oklahoma State. He really looked terrible in pass protection against Tulsa, not even a tough opponent, but he had some pathetic blocking attempts, Uh, really just didn't look interested in blocking hard or engaging the defender, just doing the bare minimum. Uh, On top of that, he had a fumble on a handoff uh, and just wasn't running hard or physical. He only averaged 3.4 yards a carry against Tulsa on 27 totes, Um, finished with less than 100 yards. So that was a really underwhelming season opener uh, for Hubbard, and the Jets could be in that running back market if Le'Veon Bell is ditched after this season. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But looking for running back help on day two, uh, Hubbard really gave himself a bad tape to start out this uh, 2020 season. So we'll see if he can bounce back. But that was your WalterFootball.com NFL Draft Analysis.
2: Thanks, Charlie, and thank you for listening. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.